Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 59. On today's show, we are examining one question that comes up for anyone who's ever tried to declutter a space. That's right, the age-old question, but what if I need this? If you've ever asked yourself this question, and let's face it, who hasn't, then stay tuned because we're going to discuss 10 different ways you can look at this question and get to the heart of the matter so that you can declutter those nagging items that you just aren't quite sure about. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and I am the creator of littlegreenbow.com and the host of this podcast, The Wannabe Minimalist Show. If you're new to the show, then welcome. On this show, I discuss topics ranging from decluttering and organizing to simple living and creating better mindsets around minimalism. And for the purpose of this show, my website, courses, and my personal life, I define minimalism as intentional living. It's all about living by design and not by default. It's not about depriving ourselves of the things that make us happy, so keep those collections and sentimental items if they mean the most to you. But give yourself permission to let go of the things that are holding you back from the life that you truly, truly want to be living. And my mission in life is to help you do just that. So today we are going to be talking about the most asked question when it comes to decluttering anything, and that is, but what if I need it? We have all asked ourselves this question, so I felt it was high time to really dive into the topic and help us stay on track. So I've put together 10 additional ways to look at your items to help you gauge whether you need your stuff or if it really can go in the discard pile. But before we dive in, I want to remind you that you can find all of the show notes for today and links to anything I mention at littlegreenbow.com forward slash 59. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 59. 
There you will also find my latest free resource, the Tidy Home and Vibrant Life Starter Guide. It's a simple but super helpful guide that will show you four easy steps you can take to create a home and life where you and your family thrive. It's completely free and my way of helping you on your journey to creating more meaning in your life without suffocating under your stuff. And with that, let's get back to the question at hand. One more little caveat though. I want to point out that there is no magic pill or a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to decluttering. I can make some suggestions that I think will work for you based on what has worked for my clients and my students in the past, but we all come from different backgrounds, have different personalities, and have different levels of comfort with clutter. Not to mention that our family situations, kids versus no kids, and our work and money situations will be different. So please weigh my suggestions against your own background and experience, but know that no matter what, several of these ideas should work for you. All right, but what if I need this? The first thing we need to do is define what need actually means. In our fast-paced instant gratification culture, need has gotten confused with want. And there is no limit to our wants. Humans have an amazing capacity to continue to want more and more stuff. It is a bottomless pit. There will always be more stuff available to purchase than we can fit in our homes and more stuff to do than we have time for. So wanting is not what we should measure our lives by. Need, on the other hand, is by definition a requirement. If we do not have the things we need, truly need, we will not survive. Now, just by stating this obvious definition, it should be easier to declutter our things. After all, you're probably not asking this question when it comes to letting go of actual necessities, like your home, food, things that contribute to your security and safety. But needs extend beyond those items that we must have for just surviving. So I want to take a minute to discuss Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You've probably heard of this idea somewhere along the way, but maybe it's been a while. It's a motivational theory in psychology consisting of a five-tiered list of human needs, often shown as a pyramid or a triangle, with the most important needs for survival at the bottom and the more creative needs at the top. It's a theory that states that humans need to fulfill their base needs before they can move on to satisfy their other needs. It starts with physical needs or the biological requirements for human survival, like air, food, water, shelter, clothing, warmth, physical touch, and sleep. If these needs are not met, it's incredibly difficult to move up the pyramid, so we instinctively will not declutter these items from our lives unless they are duplicates or we have easy access to them, like we currently do with food and water. The second level of needs pertains to safety and security. Now, humans generally want to experience order, predictability. They want to feel in control of their lives. And these needs can be fulfilled by the family and society. For example, emotional security through your relationships, financial security through employment, law and order through society, You can have freedom from fear, social stability, access to property ownership, and health and well-being. There may be items in this category to declutter that fit in our dominating question of today, which is, remember, but what if I need this? Because our sense of security can come into play when we are letting things go. 
The third level of needs is social in nature, and it involves our feelings of love and belongingness. So belongingness refers to a human emotional need for interpersonal relationships, connectedness, and being part of a group. Examples of belongingness include friendship, intimacy, trust, and acceptance, receiving and giving affection, and love. It's another category where we may find our items to declutter fit into our question because humans attach this belonging, love, and emotion to objects. So remember that. That's a big one. We put these feelings into objects, even though these objects are just things and are not actually feeling anything. They don't actually contain our memories. They don't actually contain these feelings that we have. All of that is in our mind, but the object reminds us of those things. The fourth level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs includes self-worth, accomplishment, and respect, and it's broken into two categories. The first is esteem for oneself, which includes dignity, achievement, mastery, and independence. And the second is how we feel others perceive us. So often when we keep our things or bring things into our lives, this is the one where they hit, right? It's because of how we think it will make us look to our friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, etc. Sometimes it's not stuff we want. We just think it's stuff we're supposed to have because that's what society says or because we think it will make us fit in with uh, the people around us, fit in with our neighborhood, you know, make us feel better about ourselves because we think we're quote unquote keeping up with the Joneses. So we need to remember that because when it comes to our question today of, but what if I need this? This fourth level will definitely come into play. The final level refers to the realization of a person's potential, self-fulfillment, personal growth, and peak experiences. This is living life to the fullest and reaching your full potential. This is a very personal definition, so only you will be able to say what this means to you. Often these are met, though, through professional goals, either a position is reached or an economic threshold is attained, or through creative goals of excelling at a hobby or a craft would fit this level, or maybe it might be personal goals of becoming an excellent partner and an outstanding parent, or maybe it's reaching a level of spirituality that you seek. The point is that there is not one answer that will fit everyone, so you need to decide for yourself what your full potential or vibrant ideal life looks like for you. We often hold on to our stuff that we think will help us attain this final level of needs. Hello to all the toys that we buy to fulfill our desire to be amazing parents. But once we feel we've reached the top and are living life to the fullest, we may be able to let go of more than we realized. After all, the toys are not what make us amazing parents. It's the love and caring that makes us so. All right, so now that we have an understanding of our needs and how they change as we move through this hierarchy, it's easier for us to evaluate the question of, but what if I need this? Because if you've read about minimalism or listened to podcasts from hardcore minimalists, they will often give a very simple answer of no, you don't need it. But that's really only looking at it from the first level or maybe the second level of this hierarchy of needs. Yes, it might be true that I won't need it to survive, but that's not the kind of life I want to live, and I know it's not the kind of life my family wants to live either. So instead of just 
living on survival mode, let's look at this question of, but what if I need this through 10 new lenses so that we can really consider it? You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earn In, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. The first way to look at your item to determine if you need it is to see if you have any duplicates. Now, this is one of the easiest ways to do, to do this. So of course, for most of our things, one is just fine. We do not need two or three of the same thing. And usually we can only use one of each of something at a time anyway. For instance, when I was decluttering my kitchen utensil drawer, I discovered that I had three wine openers. Now, I'm not sure how I ended up with three, but I did. Now, I can only use one of these at a time, right? I'm usually only opening one bottle of wine at a time. I only have two hands. And so what I did was I made the decision to put the nicest one back in the drawer. I actually took our second one, the second nicest one, and I put it in the car because now not that we're drinking and driving or opening a bottle while we're driving, but we've needed a wine opener in the past at either bonfires or when we've been at an Airbnb in the cabin um, in the mountains, or, you know, just having an extra one would be handy if we've been at a party or something, it's sometimes nice to have a second one. And often we found in our car, it's, you know, we're out and about and we don't want to have to stop and go buy one. That's probably why we ended up with more than one in the first place. We bought a new one when we needed it. And so then I had one in my house, one in my car, and then I donated the third one. 
So as you're decluttering and you ask yourself if you need something, look around your home to see if you have another item just like it or similar enough to get the job done. If you do, please promise me that you will keep the nice one, the nicest one, and start using the nice one. Please do not save any of your nice things for a rainy day. If you do, it might just get forgotten, and worse yet, it might never be used at all. So your life is special, you are special, and you deserve to be using the nice things. Okay, I'll leave it at that. The second way to look at your item to determine if you need it is to determine the last time you actually used it. Most of the time I hear people talk about how useful something is when they're considering decluttering an item. And I call this the dreaded useful trap. Here's the deal. Everything is useful. It might be physically useful or fulfill an emotional need, but that doesn't mean that it's useful to you or worse, that it's used by you. The better thing to do when you're looking at something is to see if you actually use it. Now, instead of waiting for that day that you might need it, get it out, use it. And then, you know, if you find that you're not actually using it as much as you thought, it's easier to declutter. Because if you don't use it and you're saving it, like I said before, that day might never come. I recently heard of the concept that if you haven't used something in X number of months, then it might actually be that long until you need it again. So for example, if you haven't used something in over a year, it may be another year until you actually need it again. Are you willing to take up the precious space in your home for this item that you might not need again for a whole nother year? I don't know if that actually rings true. I haven't really taken the time to study it in my own life to see if that's true, but it does kind of make sense. Like things happen in patterns. So if I haven't used something for three months, I might not use it in the next three months. So I don't know. Well, that one's, jury's still out on that one for me, but I do agree that if we're not using something, it's really worth examining if we think we will use it. And if we don't, then just to let it go. And speaking of saving something that might be useful to you someday, that takes us to the third way to look at your item. If you needed this item in a year, would you even remember that you have it or would you even be able to find it? Now, this is where we really need to be honest with ourselves. So many times we hold on to things because we think that we'll need them at some point in the future. Then in the future, when we do need that specific item, you know, it comes and we either one, don't remember that we kept that thing for this exact moment, or two, remember that we have it somewhere, but can't find it and we don't have the time or desire to search high and low for it. So as you are evaluating your item and thinking, but what if I need it? Take a minute to ask yourself if you have things of a similar type that you can keep with it so you know where to find it later or if it's worth the mental space and the time it will take to find it should you need it in the future. As I get older, I find myself responsible for more and more things, and it's harder for me to remember the items I have or the things I have to do. I just might, I don't know, I'm getting older, I guess my memory's going, or I think I'm just stuffing my brain with too much sometimes. But I'm doing a decluttering challenge right now, and maybe you're participating too, so you saw that I actually ran across some old photos when I was younger. I tossed a lot of them, including ones from my first apartment. But what hit me when I was looking at that picture was that I was able to move everything in that room in one load with a pickup truck. It took me like an hour to unpack and put everything where it belonged because there just wasn't that much stuff. 
Now, I still don't feel like we have a lot of stuff in our home, but we're a family of three and it certainly took me longer than an hour to unpack our current home. And to be honest, I'm still fussing with it now, even after being here for two years, because I just want it to feel more homey and more like our family, hence the decluttering challenge that I'm doing right now. Now, all of that is to say that unless I use something regularly or it's in a category that I know I reference frequently enough, like cooking or sewing or DIY, I probably won't remember that I have it tucked in a cupboard, so it's not worth keeping. Chances are I'll forget I have it and then run across it a year later and have to declutter it anyway because now I'll have a duplicate. So if it was something that I really needed, of course I will run out and get it. And now when I find it again, it'll be worth decluttering because I'll have two. Back to point number one. All right, so the fourth thing to ask yourself instead of, but what if I need it, is how bad is my clutter? This may come as a surprise to you, but if you don't feel like your clutter is a problem, then maybe you don't need to get rid of it. But you're listening to a podcast about decluttering, so there are probably some areas you want to work on. That doesn't mean every area is a problem or that you need to strip everything away and down to the bare minimum. I recommend prioritizing your areas that function the least for you and your family and then be okay letting some areas slide until you've dealt with the worst areas first. Of course, if clutter is making it hard to live in your home or every cabinet in your kitchen is stuffed full and the counters are covered so you can't even cook at home, you'll need to get serious about figuring out your needs versus your wants. Now, a good rule of thumb is if you have the space, you can keep it, but that doesn't mean you should or that you even need to. But if clutter is taking over, then it's time to buckle down because yes, clutter is making life harder for you and that is not the purpose of our stuff. The purpose of stuff is to make our lives easier, not harder. So just remember that when you're thinking, meh, how bad is my clutter? Now, in a similar vein, the fifth way to ask, but what if I need this, is to ask, how much space does this take up? Okay, I'm going to be really harsh for a minute. I'm going to put on my serious voice if I can and say that if you have a storage unit, your very first priority should be to clear it out and let it go. You are spending a lot of money every month to keep items you never see, hardly ever access, and lose value every day because a storage environment can be really tough on physical goods. So if you're listening to this and this is you, host a clean-out sale and let these items go. If they're sentimental, then move them into your home and make space by letting other things go. A storage unit is a drain on your pocketbook and your mental well-being. Okay, storage units are done. Back to Peppy Deanna. Next is to look around your home and see what you are spending money to keep because your home costs you money every month. It's either in rent, the mortgage, or if you're so lucky to have your home paid off, you still pay the property taxes and insurance. To calculate the cost per square foot, you take your monthly housing cost and divide it by the square footage. Let's do this with an easy example because this will give you the price per square foot and I want to kind of walk us through this. So Let's use some made up numbers. Let's say your home costs $2,500 per month and you have 1,500 square feet of living space. $2,500 divided by 1,500 square feet equals $1.67 per square foot. So each square foot 
costs you $1.67 per month. So for example, let's say you have a couch and it's six feet wide by three feet deep. So that couch takes up a space equal to $30.06 each month. Now, of course, I hear those of you saying, but just because I get rid of my stuff, it doesn't mean I pay less each month for my home. And of course, you are 100% right. But what it does is help you realize that you are paying to house yourself and your stuff each month. Plus, as you declutter and let go of the stuff you don't need, you can stop thinking you need more space to house your stuff. And so many people, myself included, have wished for more space at one point in their lives or another. This is just a reminder to take a minute, look at our lives and our stuff to examine if we actually need the space or if we just don't want to let go of our stuff. Plus, if you end up selling your stuff, you can use this as a good calculation for your bare minimum price because... If you're paying to hold on to this stuff, I mean, maybe you'll be able to downsize, so it would be worth letting your ghost, your stuff go at a cheaper rate because you will end up being able to save money every month going forward. Just some things to think about that our stuff does actually cost us even outside of the purchase initial purchase price. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. The sixth way to look at the question of, but what if I need this, also deals with money, and it is, how expensive is it to replace? This one is going to differ for everyone based on their living situation and financial security. The one thing we can agree on is that there are some things that cost more than others. All things being equal, go ahead and declutter that inexpensive stuff first. For example, wooden spoons cost little to replace. Good kitchen knives cost considerably more. So if you need drawer space, let go of those excess wooden spoons 
and keep the knives. Got it? Then set a threshold for yourself and give yourself permission to declutter items that would cost less than that threshold to replace if you needed to replace them. So I'm not saying carte blanche, let it all go. But if you're on the fence and you have the means to replace it, then put it in the donation bin. From experience, there will be fewer items you'll replace than you realize, but there will be a few. We'll get to that a little bit later. It's hard to say what they are right now, though, so that's why you set your rule and stick with it. So for some of you listening, that threshold's going to be $1 to $5. For others, it will be $10 to $20. And for still others, it might be more. Do what works best for you and pick a number that you will not lose sleep over, okay? Similarly, the seventh way to look at the question of, but what if I need this, is to ask how hard it is to replace. Maybe an item will be inexpensive to replace, but it's difficult to get, or maybe there's a lot of sentimental value to it. Costume jewelry may not be very expensive, but if it was worn by your great-great-grandma, the value is in the family connection, not the actual jewelry. However, the way I tell my students to evaluate these heirlooms and sentimental pieces is to keep the ones most special to you. If you keep everything, the collection gets diluted, and it's nearly impossible to distinguish the truly special from everything else. So keep the pieces that speak to you, give you happy memories, things you actually use or wear, and are appreciated. Then give yourself grace and permission to let the other things go. I try to remember that I do not expect my great-great-grandchildren that I will never meet to keep my kitchen apron or my wedding dress or the jewelry that I bought from the Limited just because I wore a piece from back before it was the 2000s. In the end, it really is just stuff. So keep the stuff that means the most to you and let the rest go. The eighth way to ask, but what if I need this, is to ask if it's a hobby that you enjoy doing. We all need hobbies and creative or relaxing outlets. Sadly, I find a lot of people caught up in the side hustle dogma right now, and I would be lying to say if I had not participated in it too. After all, I'm making my living through a podcast and courses and teaching others about living a more vibrant life, which all started out as a side hustle of sorts. I'm not saying there is anything wrong with it, but it can burn you out if you don't let yourself enjoy a hobby just for the sake of it being a hobby. I've had to do that with my DIY stuff. I love being creative, but it takes all the fun out of it for me when I need to document each step. But shout out to you YouTubers who are good at it because boy oh boy do I love watching your channels. However, I have realized that I need to just enjoy the DIY hobby personally and share more of the results side with you all instead of the step-by-step process. And that's perfectly okay. It's definitely something I'm working on. Now getting back to the declutter question, if you come across your items that you think you might need because it's for a hobby, that you can ask yourself if it's a hobby that you actually enjoy doing or it's something you want to continue doing in the future. If it's not, it's okay to let those items go. For instance, when we lived in Colorado, we tried rock climbing. We bought all the gear, the shoes, the harnesses, the chalk bags, rope, etc. Then it turns out it wasn't really my jam. I loved being outside in the beautiful nature, but I would rather spend my summers hiking and my winters snowboarding. I sold all that rock climbing gear and moved on. 
So my advice is to be that interesting person who tries different things on your journey to find the one or two or three things that really light you up and then let go of the hobbies that aren't really your thing after all. You will be much happier. The ninth way to look at the question of, but what if I need this, is to look at your financial situation. Now, there has been a lot of talk recently about whether minimalism is only for the rich, and I can see why the idea of being a minimalist gets a lot of criticism. This last year has shown us that there is a big divide in income inequality in the world, and if you have less money, it seems frivolous to declutter perfectly useful items. I'm not saying otherwise. My goal is to help people stop buying the items they don't need in the first place so that they can save money and to show people that you can live an amazing, vibrant life without all the clutter that marketers say that you need to be happy. So if you find yourself with a lot of credit card debt, can you sell some items to get them paid off faster? That might be a better use of the item than keeping it because you think you might need it someday. Now, trust me when I say that having your credit card debt paid off is so mentally freeing. We've worked really hard to get ours paid off in the past and to keep it off. It's something we focus on as a family and we stay on top of our budget so that we can keep them paid off now. Living as a wannabe minimalist has helped with this tremendously as we focus on what's most important to us. And that's generally not shopping, which helps us cut down on the stuff we bring into our home on a regular basis. Yes, we still buy stuff, but we try to make it something that we actively think of needing versus feeling like we need it only after seeing it in a magazine or in an ad. So if money is tight, try a no-spend month and look around your home to sell things that you no longer use. Get your credit cards paid off and then resist temptation by only purchasing items from a list. Unsubscribe from catalogs and from marketing emails. Put things you find yourself wanting throughout the year on a wish list, and then send that around to your family at the holidays and at birthdays. Then you can answer that question of, but what if I need this, with more confidence in the future. And the tenth and final way to look at the question of, but what if I need this, is to realize that you will need to rebuy between 1-5% to of what you declutter. Let's be honest, there is no way to predict the future, so there is no way to know with 100% certainty if you will need something at a later date. But if you could say to yourself, yeah, I might need 1-5% to of this stuff again in the future, what difference would that make in your decluttering efforts? Would it be easier to let it go? Would it be worth it to have the stuff out of your home? Would you prefer the space right now? When I think about all of the stuff I've decluttered from my life, I'm probably on the low end of that buyback equation. And remember, I've sold everything to travel the world with a baby. Yes, I had to buy back the big stuff, like furniture, but I've kept my wardrobe small, and a lot of the stuff I decluttered now is just the stuff you pick up in everyday life along the way. I probably would have bought this new stuff and still had my old stuff. I mean, remember, trends change, clothes wear out, kids grow, so the stuff we need, want, and use throughout our lives changes too. Another trick I like to use here is the maybe box. It's a box or bin or bag, you get the idea, where you put items that you're really not sure about. Now, this is not for everything. This is the space where you put items that you are pretty sure you won't need, but for some reason you hesitate when putting them in the declutter pile. Maybe you put it there, but then get a nagging in the back of your mind that you're just not ready to part with it. These are the items that you should put in the maybe box. Is this a perfect solution? No, but it's a good transition step for anyone just starting to declutter. 
Going through our stuff is highly emotional and having this lifeline can be the thing that helps you be able to take a step forward and declutter. And I'm all for progress. So then if you do discover that you need the item, you can retrieve it from the maybe box. Or when you come back to that maybe box in a few months, you'll be able to part with the item now that the emotion of that initial decluttering session and phase has passed. It's all about finding a solution that works for you wherever you are in your life right now. And there you have it. That was a look at 10 ways to reframe the question, but what if I need this? To recap, they are one, do you have a duplicate of this? Two, when is the last time you used this item? Three, If you need this item in a year, would you even remember that you have it or be able to find it? Four, how bad is the clutter? Five, how much space does it take up? Six, how expensive is this to replace? Seven, how hard is it to replace? Eight, is this part of a hobby I enjoy doing? Nine, what is your current financial situation? And 10, realize that you'll rebuy between one to 5% of what you declutter. I hope you liked today's episode, and if you'd like to continue the conversation, I invite you to come on over and share in the Wannabe Minimalist community on Facebook. The group is completely free, and the conversations over there are really great. I'd love to hear if today's episode inspired you to think about your decluttering efforts and the age-old question of, but what if I need this, in a different light. Come tell me about it in the Wannabe Minimalist community. I'm excited to hear from you and offer encouragement on your journey toward less stuff, more happiness, and a vibrant life that you and your family deserve. And don't forget, if you'd like to get your free copy of the Tidy Home and Vibrant Life Starter Guide, you can grab it and all of the show notes for today's episode at littlegreenbow.com slash 59. Once again, you can get the show notes for today on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 59. The Tiny Home and Vibrant Life Starter Guide is a simple but super helpful guide that will show you four easy steps you can take to create a home and life where you and your family thrive. And that just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me, and I do hope that the information I provide is helpful and inspiring. If you have anything you'd love for me to cover and discuss, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how else I can serve you and the topics you find most helpful. Feel free to tag me on your Instagram stories. I'm little.green.bow on the platform. Please don't forget the dots. Or you can email me at deanna at littlegreenbow.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode and have not done so already, please be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Also, leave a review so more people can find us and discover the benefits of a minimalist lifestyle for themselves and their families. Cheers. I'll see you next week. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 